Another episode of Book Faces Live, the show where we talk to the faces behind your books. I'm Nathan Van Koops, I'm your host, and today I'm excited to bring you an interview with author Catherine Nolan. Welcome to the show, Hi. Catherine. Hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> it's, this is great. Uh, I've been looking forward to chatting with you. Um, so I, I got your name because um, you are friends with another previous guest of the show, uh, mm-hmm. Lucy's score, and we were just uh, <laughs> chatting about her and how you guys have um, made some Taco Bell, Taco Bell runs together. Taco <laughs> yeah, that's our main joy in life. So. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's something I can I can relate to. I, I did a year yeah. <laughs> a year at working at Taco Bell when I was in in Pennsylvania, actually. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we all have you know common interests, which is great. Right, tacos. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm really excited to chat with you today because you've had, um, you know, some wonderful success with your books, and you have a new book out um, called Landslide. And mm-hmm. can you tell people a little bit about your your novel? Yeah, yeah. Landslide um, is a book that I absolutely love. It's a companion to a book I wrote called Bohemian, okay. and they are both set in, and you'll know, um, Big Sur, mm-hmm. California. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a small town along the coast, central coast of California that's like really known for being bohemian and hippie and attracting a lot of artists. Mm-hmm. And so Landslide um, is about a man named Gabriel who owns the only bar in Big Sur, and he's inherited this bar, you know, from his grandfather and his father. And he's kind of like a local gossip. You know, everyone comes to the bar to talk to him. What happens is a bunch of models come in to do a photo shoot. Um, someone wants these models to do a photo shoot dressed in bohemian wear in bohemian, like the bohemian subculture of Big Sur. But a storm comes, um, traps them in Big Sur for a week, including this makeup artist named Josie, who's from um, East Los Angeles. Um, she's Mexican-American, new tattooed. She's very different from Gabriel. She loves the big city. Gabriel loves hiking and, you know, the trees and being in nature and, you know, Josie's terrified of nature. Um, but they fall pretty hard for each other. And, you know, their story is really about um, the sacrifices and the compromises that we make for love. You know, I mm. think in romance novels, it's totally normal and okay for folks to fall in love over a week and then make it work. Yeah. But Josie has survived and had survived a pretty serious emotionally manipulative relationship. She had been left at the altar mm. by this person who was horrible. And I just thought it was unrealistic for her as a character to just give up her entire life for a man that she had just met. And I yeah. thought it was really unfair of him to ask her to do that. So their relationship is really about how, of course, it's very possible for us to find our soulmate, but yeah. that true love is also really about compromises. You know, yeah. what are we going to sacrifice for each other and how will we make it work? So even though it like compromise isn't like a sexy um, idea, like for me it was really great to explore this like trope of insta love that we often yeah. write about in romance. But like truly, what do we have to give up for the other person? Um, yeah. So it's I love it. <laughs> I love all my books. <laughs> I don't know if that's weird, but every one of my books I'm like yeah. So I really I really liked this one a lot. Yeah. No, I think that's. Um... That sounds like a really fascinating, like kind of weighted, like kind of deep dive into a little bit past the the genre tropes and kind of mm-hmm. it's like what would this really be like? And um, oh yeah, and if you had been left at the altar and were healing from someone who had like essentially her partner gaslit her, you know, so she was emotionally manipulated by him for years. Mm. And it's kind of that thing of like I think for folks who have experienced that, 
how do you tell the difference between scary adrenaline of a person mm. who is making you feel feelings of fear mm. and good adrenaline of a person who's making you feel feelings of love? Mm. And, you know, Josie's story was, how can I once again figure those things out so that I make the right choice for myself? And Gabe, who is a beautiful romance novel hero, but, you know, he kind of is like, I think you should stay here with me. And she's kind of like, I yeah. just met you. <laughs> yeah. Which is fair. They both had to have their own journeys, you know? So I really, for me, I love all of my novels to have strong journeys for both characters, both mm-hmm. together, but also for the, for them to come to their own personal growth separate from each other. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my jam. It seems like the readers definitely respond well to your writing and the, the depth you put into your writing because um, your reviews are incredible. I've, I've oh, I think it's, got, it's only been out since I think May, right? And it's got um, you know four point nine stars out of five on Amazon, which is like pretty intense. Like it's really hard to to pull that off. But um, all your books are all your books are really um, incredibly you know well reviewed. And have great oh, ratings. Yeah. So, um, what are some of the things that did you have a background in romance writing before you started writing books, or how how did you um, learn to craft story? Oh, that's a great question. Um, well, I've been writing since I was little, mm-hmm. um, since I was just a little kid. Um, like a lot of writers, I wrote when I was young. I wrote um, definitely some like Star Wars fan fiction um, okay. in my journal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I really thought. I was like really upset that Luke and Leia were related to each other. That was my when I was like nine. I was like, it's not fair. Yeah. Um, so I started with some some light Star Wars fan fiction. Um, wrote a lot all through middle school and high school. Wrote terrible novels. Um, okay. They were really dramatic. And then yeah. I went to Washington College on a very small creative writing scholarship. Um, and so I started off doing creative writing as my minor, but I dropped it um, and got involved with human rights and social justice, and then that's where my career took off. And like a lot of people, I totally let go of creative writing. I mean, I and it makes I get a little emotional thinking about it now, but I just let that dream die. Mm. And it was probably about six years ago, and I'd always loved romance novels. Um, six years ago, I... I had been with my husband for a long time, and finally one day I was like, oh, I was a writer, and I'd never even told him, and I showed him some of my writing, and oh, wow. he said, you know, you should do NaNoWriMo, which is National Novel Writing Month. It was probably like 2011 or something, mm-hmm. and I did it, and I wrote a book in 40 days or whatever, 30 days, and it was a romance novel, and it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it was my first novel, um, and then I did it the next year. And my best friend in the whole world is my friend Faith. Uh, she's also a writer. She's a wonderful content editor, and she has a mm. great eye and mind for story. And really, since like the dawn of time, brainstorming with her, plotting with her, like she's been the one who's really helped me with pacing conflicts, um, ensuring that your characters have like a true arc, mm. making sure that they get to grow. Um, mm-hmm. She's the you know, making sure I'm showing and not telling. Um, yeah. But all writers, I mean, you have to write those like under the bed books to kind of get it out. If that yeah. makes sense. Oh, absolutely. You know? Yeah, you gotta. I'm sure the writers have said the same thing, but they're like, the first thing I ever, you know, like my first romance novel is like, "Hi, my name's Jessica. I'm beautiful. I can't <laughs> wait for you to hear out." <laughs> yeah. So I hope my books are better now. <laughs> well, they obviously are, based on you know what the readers have thought of them and. How, all the great reviews you have, so... Um, yeah, I, I a lot thinking about those reviews. <laughs> you're clearly doing something right. Oh, 
What was it that attracted you to the the Big Sur setting? That I mean, that area of the coast of California is obviously gorgeous, and it's a, yeah. it's an amazing drive down through there. And um, but what was you've set two books there now? So what was yeah, the attraction there? You know, in Big Sur, did you ever go to the Henry Miller Library? I don't think so. No. It's like a little library that's on the, it's right in Big Sur, it's like the only thing there, mm. and, uh, you know, it's dedicated to Henry Miller, you know, who spent a lot of time there, um, but I used to go there a lot, and I just thought it was really interesting that there was this bookstore in the middle of nowhere, the ocean here and the mountains here, Yeah. and I, we used to go all the time, Rob and I would go, and um, I was there one day, and we drove past the bookstore, and I thought about a young man working there. And then I thought about what it would mean to meet someone, this woman who was there for just a brief moment of time and to have a connection to her. And I had Rob pull over. I said, pull over the car. And we had to get out. And I sat and I opened my notebook and I like wrote essentially bohemian, but the entire like idea. I mean, I yeah. changed a lot of things, but it was like a lightning bolt. Um, I just think Big Sur is so interesting to me because on the one hand, many wealthy people live there, but um, also many people who live there are, bohem are bohemian artists who like live off the land and like ride donkeys. And so it's a very strange subculture. Mm. And I thought it was really beautiful to explore. Also, it's beautiful to write about because it's mm -hmm. big cert to me is like, it's a, a presence on your body, you know, when you see the location. Yeah. And it's very romantic to me, but also like nature plays a lot into a lot of my books. So like I really wanted these characters to be overtaken by their surroundings, you know? And unfortunately, I mean, I wrote about this big storm and then, um, unfortunately that did happen to Big Sur. Um, right. Yeah. They, they get some yeah. rough weather, but yeah. I, you can almost picture it though, because it is such a larger than life setting that it would be easy to picture a movie there or something like that. If you, yeah. you, know, you should probably mm -hmm. picture it in your mind all the time, yeah. you know, like along yeah. the cliffs and stuff. So I think it's romantic. Yeah. The ja mm -hmm. jagged rocks and breaking mm -hmm. waves. It's a very dramatic place. Yeah, great waves and like the, the forest, like the yeah. you know, redwoods and yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got it's a lot of fodder for inspiration. We had a couple of hellos. Uh, Lucy Score says hello. She's she says hi guys. She's watching. Lucy. Also, uh, Lindsay Stewart says hi, Catherine. So. Um, Anyone who is watching the, the live video uh, via Facebook, feel free to say hello. Let us know where you're uh, saying hello from. And if you have any questions or comments for Catherine, um, definitely leave your comments. Or if you're watching the replay later, feel free to leave your comments anyway. And um, Catherine can, can pop back on and, and answer your questions or, or respond. So, um, so I understand that you do your own uh, book covers. Is that still the case? Oh, you know, I don't, so I used to do my own book covers. Okay. Mm -hmm. like, so I did my own book covers for Cuffed, which was my first novella, mm. which was a short novella and very short, like 12,000 words. Okay. Um, and was really an exploration into whether or not I thought I could be an indie author, you know, and mm. to see what it was like. And um, okay. it's, that one is about, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, that one's like really like erotica. It's just about a police officer who falls for the woman that he's tailing. Okay. Uh, that's all I can tell you. <laughs> okay. Everything else is like NSFW. Um, so I did that one. I did Riptide, um, okay. which is an enemy to lovers book that I love. That's about a surfer um, who is protesting the workplace of a woman um, who is trying to build a hotel on the beach that he surfs on. 
Okay. And that was a really fun one. And then I did Bohemian. Um, the, the woman who's done um, my cover for Landslide and who um, is doing the cover for my next book, her name is Carrie. I think her last name is pronounced March. It's like M-A-R-C-H-E. Mm. So she did Landslide, um, which was fabulous. Um, I really enjoyed doing my own covers, but at a certain point, I think it, it is important to have to start to use other professionals in the community. Absolutely. And I felt like it was, you know. Yeah. Well, funny, well, your cover designer did a beautiful job. Um, she, the, she did. Yeah, the cover's gorgeous, so it looks great. Yeah, she really did. Yeah, I think a lot of indie authors in the beginning try to do everything themselves, which makes mm-hmm. sense. You want to save money and, you know, you yeah. don't want to invest too much. But, you know, it was, it's exciting to start to feel like you can start to invest in those things, for sure. Yeah, once you have a little bit of money coming in, you can turn around mm-hmm. and turn around and redo covers, et cetera. So, um, Lucy has a writing process question. She says, Catherine, what usually comes to you first when you're writing a book? Is it a scene, a conflict, a character, etc.? Ah, oh, it's a scene. Yeah. It's me all the way through. Yeah, it's a scene. I mean, sometimes it's a character, but, um, no, I, uh, um, I've talked about this before with folks. I get very powerful scene, um, inspirations, you know, Mm -hmm. so I will, um, I'll think of a good example. So Bohemian is about a bookstore owner. He's very shy. Um, mm. He's very awkward. Mm. And the woman who gets trapped there is named Lucia. She's this, like, supermodel. She's bombastic and vivacious and gorgeous. And this would never happen in real life, but she's there for a photo shoot, which I always thought of as being very intimate. Mm-hmm. You know, you are undressed in front of people, you're like moving your body and using your body, but it's not necessarily sexual, but like mm. what you are doing is physically intimate, especially mm. if it's you're paired with another person. And so I had this idea of, you know, this shy man and this vivacious supermodel, um, if they had to be in a photo shoot together, mm. what it would be like if they had been denying their feelings to each other. If someone was like, okay, now take off all your clothes and touch each other intimately and gently for six hours while we photograph you. And it was, um, so in my so in my mind, I had to. I created a whole book. <laughs> I created Bohemian, um, and to me, the, those scenes are why I like to write. You know, mm. I guess what would be called like steamy steamy mm-hmm. romance, which mm-hmm. is definitely categorized by graphic sex scenes or more sex scenes. Mm-hmm. But if you ask anyone, sex scenes are not what I love to write. I love mm. writing sexual mm. tension. Mm. So it's the pining, like the longing, thinking about each other. And I love, 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 like, forced touching, like, having to touch each other in a way that's not sexual, but Mm. that makes them realize that they have feelings for each other. Hmm. So, in Bohemian, and this is, like, a ridiculous concept, but it was so fun, the male model gets food poisoning. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then, like, Calvin, like, takes off his glasses, and the director's like, oh, my God, (laughs) you're really hot. (laughs) (laughs) And then Calvin ends up having to do the photo shoot with Lisa. Stand in. Yeah, I think it's like the five. I think it's like one thousand words of my finest writing. It's, it's like <laughs> against a rock, you know, with like Big Sur in the background, like the yeah. storms coming. Yeah. But they can't say anything. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, yeah, so that's kind of what my. It's definitely a scene all the way through, and I'll get every single piece of it. Like mm. it will just like flow through me like a lightning bolt, and it just comes out my fingers. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Lindsay asks, do you plot and outline like a writing ninja, or do you let the characters talk? Uh, half and half. Okay. Yeah, I do half and half. Yeah, I definitely um, have other authors talk to you about the Scrivener, you know, writing tool. Um, not in any detail, no. They haven't really gotten into it. Do you want to share about that? Yeah, it's, it's like a writing tool, and one aspect 
effect that they have on the, you know, on the software is like essentially like a cork board where you can put mm -hmm. index cards with your ideas and that's how I plot, you know, so it'll be like chapter one, chapter two, every index card has these like post-it notes that come off of it where you can put, you know, your scene ideas. Mm -hmm. But right now I'm working on books that are more action driven. They're like kind of light suspense. And I actually wrote a note to myself, like at the top of the writing notebook that said, the plot, the plot comes from the characters. The action comes from the characters. Cause I think I've certainly read action novels where the characters are just like archetypes. Yeah. But I didn't want, even if this book had some suspense or action to it, I wanted it to be character driven always. Mm. So I usually spend a long time doing character charts, you know, so like, what are their favorite childhood memories? And are they afraid of lightning? And do they like the dark? And, um, do they have tattoos and how do they like their mom? And even if it doesn't end up in the book. Yeah. You have it in your head at least, you know. Yeah. I'm sure other authors have said the same thing. It's, you get really into their lives, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Their memories. Well, that's fantastic. That's a good answer. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the overall genre. I know that you're, you know, in this sort of steamy romance category, but you know, even though if you do more of a slow burn type thing in your own personal writing, um, uh, we've talked, actually, Lucy was on her first episode. She talked about how um, when she first kind of came out to her boss about uh, being a romance author, they fired her. You know, it was, it's not always the easiest thing to, to, to blend your personal life and your, you know, your author life. Um, what are some of the challenges you faced um, as far as getting into the steamy romance genre? Yeah, that's you know that's a really good question. I mean, I think one thing that definitely is the case that I feel very strongly about is that I think there are several categories of literature that have never been really taken seriously and are really kind of pushed aside. Mm. Um, interestingly enough, those are the books that sell the most and make yeah. publishing companies the most money. So that would be romance, science fiction, fantasy, horror, mystery. Mm -hmm. So genre fiction. Yeah. So a lot of times, you know, I've heard plenty of people be like, oh, well, I couldn't write something stupid like that, like a romance novel. <laughs> um, mm, yeah. Or look down on science fiction it. or fantasy. Yeah, yeah there's a yeah. lot of dismissiveness. Um, and yet, by and large, those fans and those communities are buying books hand over fist. So, mm -hmm. making a lot of yeah. money for publishing companies. So it's just, yeah. you know, it's just people being high-minded and dismissive. So it mm. always bothers me. Mm. I'm always proud to say I'm a romance author. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely, when I was first a romance author, I was working a job where I couldn't really share because what I did was I was a spokesperson for a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't want what I did on the side to be associated with the nonprofit and affect funding or... Mm -hmm. you know, donors feeling conservative um, yeah. or also like some of my private business yeah. boundaries yeah. Um, now now that I'm a consultant I I still keep that boundary but when I meet people you know in Philadelphia I always say I'm a writer you know I write for nonprofits, and I'm also a romance author so I don't keep mm -hmm. it a secret anymore yeah. but many people have to yeah which is unfortunate you know because it would be nice if people were a little bit more, you know, open-minded about it, and you know, people will read what they read. Like you said, it is uh, a massively successful genre. It is something that you know funds the whole publishing business, like you said, and exactly. and the indie publishing space. It's it's incredible the amount of you know work oh, that you know. And well, also, I think it it goes to show you what happens when there's a genre that's mostly written by women for women. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's, and immediately people assume that it's not as good or it can't be good. 
you know, everyone's read, I'm sure, one romance novel that they didn't like, so then immediately they're like, I just think it, they're dumb. Mm. Yeah, which is... <laughs> it's it, hard for me. Which is, you know, so illogical because, you know, because of the fact that women readers are consuming so much content in this particular genre, there's so much churn in how many books are being consumed in order to, to be successful, in order to stay at the top of this, you've got to be doing something really well um, mm-hmm. because there's so much competition. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's almost, it's a more competitive marketplace um, than most. I mean, a lot of a lot of charts on Amazon, you can go, and if you write a book in this category, you're going to sit there and you're going to be on that chart forever because there's not that many new books coming in. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like... You know, you're constantly competing with with other new romance authors. I'm sure. Well, I think it's like what romance authors read one book a day. I think is better. yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Which makes sense. You know, I think you you know people are voracious readers. You mm-hmm. know, and they want to read and hear new stories. And I think that for me, one thing I love about indie publishing, but just romance and science fiction and fantasy in general, which are genres I love, is just the ability for communities to express what their desires are, you know? So mm. it's like, I don't personally read dinosaur erotica, but right. if I was a person who loved like raptor, velociraptors, I could go onto Amazon and there yeah. is like a whole section of books of women who marry velociraptors. <laughs> yeah. I just think yeah. it's really beautiful. Like whatever, yeah. you know, because there are, you know, publishing to me is also about keeping out marginalized communities and yeah. keeping out communities that we don't want to think about. Um, yeah. People of color, people who are queer, women. Yeah anything so it's like to me indie my hope is that indie publishing opens those gates so that the gatekeepers can't Mm -hmm. keep us out yeah and it's fiction so it's like it's an exploration of your imagination and it's just like well where can people's imaginations go and like they can go a lot of places you know and not not everyone has to go down that road if they don't want to but it's it's um it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's fascinating to see you know how you know, big of, you know, a following certain genres can get, you know, and it's, um, sure. and obviously there's a lot of pros to being in this genre. There's the rabid fan base, the, the, mm-hmm. the, the massive consumption of books. What are some of the things you're doing to, um, help? Obviously not, no one writer could keep up with the demand, but what are some of the things you do to keep engaging your readers in between books? Well, that's okay. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, I think, you know, I have a Facebook group, Catherine Nolan Sibichicks, um, which is just wonderful. Um, it's okay. really a beautiful space of readers. Um, it's very focused on motivation and empowerment, uh, celebrating, you know, my books, but also other authors, because I'm never going to be able to publish, you know, five or six books a year. And so I want to make sure that other authors are being, you know, celebrated. And, um, and I also, I'm a huge romance reader, so it's a great place to talk about that. Um, I think... Lately, you know, I also think I'm slightly well known for doing like sexy shorts, which are just mm-hmm. erotic, um, like erotic original content that I would uh, post, you know, once a week or once a month in my groups. I think it was really great because for me as a writer, it's always beautiful to explore something new every week. So even if I mm-hmm. got no other writing done, I at least wrote 800 words of cowboy erotica, you know, mm-hmm. like whatever it was that I just wanted to do for fun and that my readers enjoyed. So I think like providing fresh new content when you can, um, it's something that I really enjoy doing. I also use book in Maine, um, which is wonderful. What um, is that? Really, oh, book in Maine is like a really great website that provides, um, basically a place for readers and authors to connect through their content. So 
you know, Facebook is very social driven, you know, social media, et cetera. Book in Maine, you would log on and you would see like Lucy score posted a new bite. Catherine Nolan posted a new bite. It's just content. So it's like mm. a chapter from their books, an excerpt, a deleted scene. And so it's another you know channel that authors can connect to readers to. That's just content based, not mm. based on, um, you know, videos or teasers. And so mm. it's a really good way to just meet people. Like you might just never even know like a random person from Indiana who searched single dad and then that brought up like something I wrote okay and then they just buy the book right from there so and uh, Lucy was helpful and just posted up a link in the comments so anyone who's uh, watching if you want to check out that link later or if you're listening to to the uh, audio version feel free to check out the the video and and Lucy helpfully posted up a a link to bookandmainbites.com yeah absolutely Lindsay asks, uh, Lindsay mentioned your, your shorts and said, uh, where do you get your inspiration to keep them fresh? Like, how are you getting these constant new ideas? Yeah. Well, I am doing, you know, I, um, I'm doing them monthly now, not weekly. Um, mm. Not because of keeping things fresh, but, you know, I'm also working on books and things like that. So I do want to save my creative energy sometimes. Um, but when I was doing them weekly, I would ask my group members to send me photos. I would do polls. Because mm. I would want to see, like, okay, do you want to see, like, a hot tennis story? You know, I, I wanted to get ideas. Because for me yeah. as an author, that's that's way more fun than coming up with your own ideas. Like, just as an author, it is pure joy to have someone give you a prompt. Yeah. Uh, Lucy does that in her in her um, group with Tell Me a Story. Mm. So I had, like, a 4,000-word story about um, sex in the Olympic Village. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And it was the most delightful thing I ever had because as, as an author, that there's nothing more enjoyable than someone being like, I already gave you the plot and the characters, go. Yeah. Um, it's so fun. So, yeah. yeah, that's really what I do. It also allows me, you know, the other day, folks wanted me to write Regency. I hmm. love historical romance. I've never written it. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote a Regency story that I was obsessed with so much so that then I wrote, like, another scene, like, really just for myself, and then I sent it to people. Um, so it's very joyful. And um, that's kind of how I keep it fresh. Well, it seems like you're obviously having a lot of fun with it. Um, just from talking to you, you can tell, just tell that this is a fun process for you. This is not something you're, you're dreading doing in the morning when you get. What's absolutely uh, yeah. So, um, like, what is your your writing process like? As far as like when you're not writing, what how are you refilling that creative well? Like, what are some other things you're doing to, to help kind of recharge yeah. in between stories? That's a really good question. Um, I think most. Most, like, writing advice you'll ever get, the one that I think is the best and the truest is just reading. Mm. You know, all writers are readers, and all yeah. readers, you know. So when you're a reader, you know, I basically read all different types of genres, too. I also try not to just read romance. So I read, you know, science fiction, fantasy, fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really important to me is to have dedicated reading time. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always happen, but that's really important. And I also love um, the outdoors. And so my husband and I... We go camping a lot, you know, just in the woods with, like, no cell phones, no TV, and mm-hmm. we go hiking a lot. And when I go hiking, um, because my husband loves long hikes, so it's like, he's like, this one's only six hours, you know, so <laughs> it's a lot of time to just, you know, Anne Lamott calls it, you know, like, our still small voice. Like, it gives me a lot of time to think of something and then just joyfully follow it in my imagination yeah. without any distractions, you know, Facebook, yeah. phone, etc. I'm just, yeah. like, looking at pine cones and, like, deer and, and trees, and then all of a sudden I'll be like, you know, blowjobs, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Letting your imagination wander off the trail a little bit. And... Yeah. <laughs> but also, like, real things, too, but I do a lot 
like children everywhere and I'll be like, I'll tell you later. <laughs> <laughs> so like trying to like ruin the young minds of yeah. teachers everywhere. But yeah, so I think nature and reading are my two, my two ones. Well, that's fantastic. So, yeah. Sounds like a good combination to me. Absolutely. There's, it gives me a lot of hope for yeah. you know the world. There's still people out there just hiking and reading. So as long as, as long as that's the case, then then we're in good shape. But um, so yeah, our half hour has already whizzed by as as it off, as it frequently does. But um, yeah, this has been a lot of fun. Where can people find more information about you? Um, you have a website people can look up uh, information about you. Yeah, I have a new website. It's just authorcatherinenolan.com. Um, my Facebook group is really active, Catherine Nolan Sippy Chicks, and mm-hmm. I'm there all the time. I have three, three amazing group admins, Jody, Joyce, and Julia, and they are angels, and they keep things happening all the time in there. Um, Instagram, I'm just at Catherine Nolan Romance, and then on Book in Maine, I'm at Catherine Nolan. So it depends on what you're looking for, but if you want content, you know, Book in Maine, and also my Facebook group is definitely where to go. Um, so I should have some exciting book announcements. Soon, so. Awesome, awesome. And for anyone listening in the audio, it's uh, Catherine is K A T H R Y N, just so, for the spelling, uh, so you can get that right and go hunt her, hunt her down and, and uh, ask her all your your steamy questions. Yeah. So, um, well, Catherine, thank you so much for your time and uh, coming and, and chatting with us today. I really look forward to uh, having you on again sometime in the future. This has been a blast. All right. Have a great day. Yeah, bye, guys.